I've been preaching on the Word of God in January, and our theme is um, the Bible is still true in 2022. And all God's people said, doesn't matter what I say, doesn't matter what you say, it matters what God says. If you have your Bible this morning, would you just hold it up so I can see how many Bibles we have here? Not smartphones, not hymnals, Bibles. Amen. All right. Brandon said when he first got saved and uh, he started coming to our church, he said, I was shocked by all the people that carried their Bibles. He said, I grew up in a church that we didn't carry our Bibles. Folks, carry your Bible with you. Read your Bible. And last week I uh, preached from uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. The Bible says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, some of you grew up in church. You've heard a lot of sermons. But are you practicing those sermons? Are you putting into practice what you've heard? People would rather see the Word of God in our lives than hear it. It's easy to say, well, um, you need to believe the Bible, you need to read the Bible, you need to pray, you need to witness, you need to um, be consistent in your Christian walk, stay away from sin. But it's another thing to live it. And folks, we need to live it. Let's just say that you needed gasoline. I'm not picking on you this morning if you need gasoline. And you were coming into church and you said, told your spouse, said, remind me that I need to get gas. And so right after the service, they said, you need to get gas. Well, you didn't need to remind me. I knew that. And so you go down to Walmart and you pull into the gas stations. And have you ever been to a gas station where it is packed out? And there's cars all over the place. And so you decide to pick the shortest line, get in the line. And it wasn't the fastest line. It was the shortest line. We've all done that before. And the person, you can see four cars in front of you at the pump. And what do they do? They're having problems with their card. And you think, oh, man, come on. Just just put gas in your car. Learn how to use a credit card. And so you're slowly getting up there. And then the next person is a lady, you know, and she gets, she's eating her sandwich. She's taking her time. You think, come on, I gotta get gasoline. So finally you get up there and this person, they're having problems with their car and they have to go inside the store. You think, come on, I'm just, I, I'm leaving. It doesn't matter how long and you've already spent 15 minutes at the gas station. It doesn't matter how long you spend at the gas station. If you don't get gasoline, your car still needs gas. And folks, it doesn't matter how many times you go to church. If you're not practicing the word of God, you're not a doer. Now I want to mention some fun facts about the Bible. The Bible is the most stolen book. Well, people steal it from hotels, steal it from hospitals, stores. And there's several places where the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. And they still steal the Bible. The Bible is the best-selling book. 20 million copies are sold every year in America. 100 million in the world. The Bible has 185 songs. And most of those were recorded in the book of Psalms. The shortest verse in the Bible and growing up in a Christian home, my dad would say, now you need to memorize a verse before you go out and play. So I, this was a great verse. John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Let's say it with me, right? Jesus wept. You learned a verse this morning. 
The Geneva Bible was the first to be printed, the first book to be printed on the printing press. That was the Geneva Bible that was uh, the first copy that had verse divisions. Now, sometimes we think the Bible just came with uh, chapters and verses. No, it didn't. They were letters. And uh, the Geneva Bible was the first Bible that had verse divisions. And uh, that's why sometimes you'll read a, a chapter and you'll think, well, now why did they end with this? Uh, you know, at the end of the chapter, the thought continues in the next chapter. The verses and chapters are not inspired. There's a Bible called the Sinner's Bible. Now, the last, there's 10 copies known on this earth. It was several years ago, one copy went for $46,000. You see, why is it called the Sinner's Bible? Because they missed one word. It was the seventh commandment. It says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And you read this Bible, it says, thou shalt commit adultery. All right, that's why it's called the sinner's Bible. If people have read the Bible, they would have found out the earth is round. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, they used to think that you got on a ship and you kept going and going and going and you just fall off the world. They'd find out, too, that blood is the source of life. They would find out that um, air has weight. I'm thankful this morning that the Bible is true. Doesn't matter if you have a copy of it. And you don't read it. Folks, we need to read the Bible. The average person, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, have 3.6 copies of the Word of God. That's a printed page. A.W. Tozer said, whatever keeps me from the Bible is my enemy. Now think through that. If television keeps you from the Bible, it's your enemy. The newspaper keeps you from the Bible, it's your enemy. Because A.W. Tozer knew how important the Word of God is. The best way to prepare for 2022 and life is by reading God's Word. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews, and there's a debate who it is, and I believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, was talking about rest. We've all experienced that great rest, that perfect rest. And you have peace in your heart, and then all of a sudden someone says something to you that you don't like. Or something breaks down. Or your spouse says something to you, and you lose your rest. The writer of the book of Hebrews is telling you to have that perfect rest in the word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. A very, very few Christians that have the joy of the Lord today. John 15 verse 11. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, what robs us of our joy is sin. I'm going to make a statement right now that many times we think that's the problem. Do you realize this morning that somebody else's sin cannot rob you of your joy? And how many times do we say, well, I'd have more joy if it wasn't for my boss. I'd have more joy if it wasn't for my coworker." 
I'd have more joy if it wasn't for so-and-so. No, nobody can rob you of your joy. You can give it up by your bad, wrong response. The Bible is the most important book in the world. The Bible is the only book written by God. As I said several weeks ago, I'm thankful that God didn't come out with Bible number two. I'm still working on Bible number one. Hebrews 4.12, and some of you may have had uh, to memorize this verse in the past, but it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful this morning that you have protected and preserved your word. And Lord, I ask that all of us would have a more, a deeper hunger for your word. Lord, I'm thankful that your word is true, it's infallible, inspired by you. It tells us how to get to heaven. It tells us how to live life. It gives us joy. It instructs us. It counsels us. So, Lord, I I ask that this morning you would place into our hearts a deeper hunger for your word. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I've been involved in many, many revival meetings. And I thank God for those revival meetings. And some of those revival meetings, evangelists would be preaching, and it seems like that evangelist is speaking right to me. And you probably experienced that sometime. I, I remember many times uh, shaking hands in the back, and a man one time said to me, he whispers to me, he said, Pastor, did my wife tell you how bad I was? I said, no. And then later on, you know, in, in, in the, down the line, someone else would say, Pastor, uh, you were preaching right at me. I mean, that's God's holy word. And I'm thankful that many times during those revival meetings, when there was the invitation given, people would respond, and uh, people from all over uh, the auditorium. What that tells me is that God can speak to each one of us through his word. Isn't that a blessing? God Almighty speaks through his word. That means this morning in all kinds of churches throughout America, in other countries, in different languages, God can speak to us through his word. The writer of the book of Hebrews is dealing with unbelief. Really, sin boils down to one fact. Do we really believe in God? Do we trust God? Do we think that his word is better than our word? Or what we think? It says, for the word of God, not the word of man. This word is not from earth. This word is from heaven. The infallible word of God. When you disagree with the Bible, you're disagreeing with God Almighty. Thomas Brooks said this, the word of the Lord is a light to guide you a counselor to counsel you, a comforter to comfort you, a staff to support you, a sword to defend you, a physician to cure you, 
The word is a mind to enrich you, a robe to clothe you, and a crown to crown you. This is a miracle book. And God gave us the word of God, not so that we can just blow off the dust on Sunday morning and bring it into church, and then put it back on the counter after we're finished, take it to church on Sunday. God's word is to be read. One man said this, the scriptures teach us the best way to live. So if we're not in the word of God and the word of God is not in us, and we're not practicing the word of God, then we really are not living. Because the Bible tells us, the word of God tells us how to live. Now, if you're reading the Bible, and you have a problem, and you say something doesn't line up, it's not the Bible's fault. It's our fault. So this morning we want to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierced even to the divining asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why did the book, why did the writer of the book of Hebrews say, you need to read the word of God? Why has God given us the word? First of all, we find out that God's word is alive. It's like no other book, it is alive. For the word of God is quick. In the original language, in the Greek text, it means it is alive. God's word can change us. It's living. Martin Luther said this, the Bible's alive. It speaks to men. Or he said, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me. It has hands, it lays hold on me. Now, many men have written different books but only God wrote the Bible. The Bible is alive. I remember years ago, Dorothy Myers would come here and Dorothy Myers was in her 80s and God had saved her and she had a ministry in Rantoul to the servicemen. And downtown Rantoul, she had a serviceman center and she brought a whole bunch of servicemen to church one day and I went up to visit her at her serviceman center. That was her life. Uh, she would uh, have people bake cookies and uh, bring cookies in. And when I watched her and, and servicemen would come in, and young military men, Air Force uh, trainees, and uh, they'd walk in and she'd offer them some cookies and coffee. And then she'd start to witness to them and then she'd take them into the prayer closet and they'd come out and they'd have tears coming down their face and they'd say, uh, we just got saved. Or she'd say, uh, why don't you tell Pastor Hassel what you just did? And they said, we just got saved. I saw that over and over and over again. And one day I said, Dorothy, what is your secret? She said, well, it's really not a secret. But I bring them into the prayer closet. And I quote the word of God to them slowly. And the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to bring conviction to their hearts. Well, that is outstanding. Folks, it's not our arguments or debates that would cause someone to get saved. It's the power of the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, for all flesh is as grass 
Now the glory of a man is as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The word of God is alive. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what I say. It matters what God says. We need to teach our children what God has to say concerning life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 18, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Is not my word like a, as a hammer, saith the Lord, that breaketh the rock in pieces? I have seen over and over again, someone comes in with a hard heart. And it's God's word that breaks their hard heart. And if you have a neighbor or boss or co-worker or relative that has a hard heart, use the word of God. Because the Bible tells us why we're here. The Bible answers the question, is there a purpose to life? The Bible answers the question, is there a God? The Bible tells us how to get to heaven. The Bible tells us how to experience joy in our hearts. If you're wondering this morning, what is the purpose of life? The answer is in the word of God. So God's word is alive. God's word is active. Notice in verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful. We get our English word energy from this word. Have you ever felt the conviction of the word of God? Maybe you're reading your Bible in the morning. Or maybe you're listening to somebody on the radio teach the word of God. And you felt that conviction in your heart. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eat, eat, eaten, so shall my, my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, as it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The power of the word of God. You know, the word of God has the ability to convict this morning. I'm thankful for that. And many churches are going away from the Word of God. Folks, it's the Word of God that brings true conviction. If you're missing out on the joy of the Lord in your heart, it's because you're not in the Word of God and you're not practicing the Word of God. I remember six years after I had come down here and I'd been the youth pastor four and a half years and interim pastor for about six months, I was studying for a sermon and as I was sitting for that sermon, I pulled out a book out of my library, and then it hit me. I saw some lines in the book where I'd stopped reading it, and I thought, oh, no. I remember one of my college classes, I was required to read 1,000 pages, only read 800, and I signed that. I read 1,000, and the Lord really convicted me. I said, I was reading his word. 
I thought, you know, I'm going to have to call the school. And so I, I called Maranatha and Mrs. McKee answered and she recognized my voice. Hey, Bob, how's it going? I thought, oh, she knows. No, you, you think everybody knows, you know, when you walk into church and you, you create, you committed some sin, you think everybody just knows. I thought she knows. How's it going, Bob? I thought she was going to say, oh, you're here. You're calling to confess. I'm like, she said, what can I do for you today? I said, may I talk to Dr. Strauss? She said, okay, let me ring his office. And good thing he wasn't teaching then. And he answers the phone and he goes, yes, this is Dr. Strauss. I'm like, oh, no, he's there. I was hoping he wasn't going to be in his office. I was hoping he was going to be teaching some class. I said, Dr. Strauss, this is Bob. Oh, yeah, Bob, how's it going? I'm like, I'm thinking, not good. Because I'm thinking to myself, okay, I told him, I'm going to tell him I only read 800 pages and not 1,000. I said I read 1,000 pages. He's going to say, okay, we're going to take your diploma from you. You didn't really graduate. I'm like, oh, man. I could, I, in your mind, you think the worst. I said, Dr. Strauss, I said I was, I picked off a, up a book off the bookshelf and said, I noticed that I, um, I didn't finish reading the book. And I said, I signed a piece of paper saying I'd, I had read a thousand pages, only read a hundred. I said, and I paused. I said, what should I do? It was a long pause. I'm thinking, oh no. My heart's beating. I'm thinking, oh, no, he's going to tell me I have to go back to Bible college. I'm like, oh, no. He said, well, Bob, thank you for your honesty. Just read those pages and uh, there'll be no problem. I'm like, whew. You know, the Bible convicts. The Bible converts, too. There was a well-known preacher, George Whitfield who was responsible in helping with the Great Awakening. He would go outside and preach at the marketplace, and many people would gather from miles to hear him. And there was a group of men, they called themselves the Hellfire Club. One man, Thorpe, would follow George Whitfield around and would mock him and mimic him. So when he was preaching, Thorpe would say exactly the same thing that Whitfield would say. He would imitate him. He would mock him. If George Whitfield got loud, he'd get loud. If uh, George Whitfield would um, have certain mannerism, this man would too. And as this man was mimicking George Whitfield, the Holy Spirit of God used the word of God to convict his heart. And in front of all those people, he got down on his knees and accepted Christ as his personal Savior. Folks, that is the power of the word of God. And I could spend all morning talking about the power of the word of God. Use the word of God. It's powerful. It's the word of God that can change us. It's active. The Bible can calm us. Not only does it convict and convert, but it calms us. Maybe you've been here before where this lady was. Her name was Lisa. And uh, she said that she felt overwhelmed with life. And a lot of people are feeling that way right now with the 
coronavirus and just the economy and just what's happening to our country. And she said she would just start crying and she would uh, go into her bedroom and cry. And uh, she said she was just overwhelmed. She said there were some times she couldn't even uh, get out of bed. She just felt like the, like the world was coming down upon her. And someone told her to read the Word of God. And so she got her Bible and they encouraged her to read in the book of Psalms. She started reading the book of Psalms. And she said, eventually, those fears went away. That's the power of the Word of God. The Word of God can calm. The Word of God can cleanse. John 15, verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You see, we, when we get dirty, we take a bath, or you ought to take a bath or a shower. But how long has it been since you got into the Word of God and it scrubbed you inwardly? It cleaned you inwardly. I remember hearing a testimony of a lady, and I could give you all kinds of testimony, but this lady just got saved. She grew up in a bad background, and she would take cigarettes. And she'd take those cigarettes, and she would burn herself when they were lit because the pain made her feel good because she said, I deserve this pain. Well, she told somebody else in church about it. And that other person said, well, you need to talk to the pastor. And she went to the pastor. The pastor said, this is not right. The only way you can overcome this is to get into the word of God. So he instructed her to read the Bible an hour a day. This lady, she said she saturated her mind in the word of God. She'd read the Bible when she got off work, and she'd read the Bible into the late night. She says, slowly, she stopped hurting herself. The power of the Word of God. Folks, if the Bible has that much power, it can change your life. It can change my life. The Bible can clean. The Bible can calm. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful. Then notice what it says, and sharper than in a two-edged sword. There are several verses in the Bible where God compares his word to a sword. Not just any sword, a two-edged sword. In Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Revelation 1.16, and he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. God compares his word to a sword. Someone said a two-edged sword is a sharp sword. That means that when you're studying, you're reading, it cuts deep into your heart. It cuts deep into the hearts of others. And so we looked at God's word is alive, it's active, but God's word is accurate. Aren't you thankful for that? I think some of us, we just need alone with the word of God. Let God speak to our hearts. In verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. 
Isn't it amazing how God cuts deep into our hearts? Sharper than a surgeon's tool? Sharper than any scalpel? God's word is powerful because God wrote it. And we are hurting ourselves when we're not in the word of God, when we put everything else above the word of God. You see, the devil doesn't want us to read the word of God. Our flesh is against us reading the word of God. But it's the word of God that can change us. It's the word of God that's active, alive, and accurate. Dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. The word of God is razor sharp. It's like taking a knife. But this is sharper than a knife because it cuts deep into the heart. You see, the Bible makes us see ourselves the way that we really are. Not what we think we are. There's a difference between soul and spirit. That's a tough one. Because how many times have I heard people say to me, Pastor, I prayed about it and God gave me peace. And so they believe they ought to move or they believe they ought to do this. And sometimes they'll use that phrase to say that they need to do something contrary to the word of God. Folks, God will never lead us contrary to his word. Ever. He'll never cause us to or tell us to do something that's contrary to the word of God. Difference between the soul and spirit. We have emotions. We have feelings. And I'm sure many of you did not feel like getting up this morning. But the spirit tells us to do what is right. And sometimes we can think it's the spirit and it's our soul. The word of God cuts deep into our hearts. It tells us between what's good and what's bad. Doesn't matter if the popular opinion says it's okay. If God said it's wrong, it's wrong. Light and darkness. What about our motives? When you think about our motives, why do we do what we do? Do we go to church because our friends would think that we're backslidden if we didn't go? Do we sing a special because we want people to hear our voice? Do we serve because it makes us feel good? Or do we serve for the glory of God? See, the word of God cuts deep into our hearts. The word of God is alive. It's active. It's accurate. Isn't that a blessing? I don't know how many tea lovers do we have here this morning. Would you raise your hand if we have some tea lovers? Okay, I'm praying for you, all right? I must not be a Baptist pastor because I don't like coffee. I can't play golf now. So, But uh, my wife loves tea. I can't stand it. I, I love the smell of coffee. I love the smell of coffee. Amen. I, I don't like coffee. Anytime you have to put sugar and cream and all these things to make, you can make dirt taste good if you put enough stuff in there, all right? But let's just say that you love tea and you were in my house and I said, we have some tea because my wife likes tea. And I said, you guys want some tea? And you say, oh yeah. 
If I get out our best mug, and I put water in it, and I put it in the microwave and heat it up, it's got hot water, and I get a tea bag, and I put it in, I pull it right out, and I say, here you go. No, you'd say, Pastor, thanks for the colored water. The colored hot water. Nasty. Give me back that tea bag. You know, if you want tea to taste good or you want that cup of water to taste good, you got to leave that tea bag in for a while. Folks, if we want the Bible to change this, we need to get in the Bible for a while. This idea that just get out the daily bread and read it real quick, and I had my devotions, it took two minutes, but I had it, I checked off my list. Folks, isn't going to change you. I'm trying to encourage all of us to get into the Word of God. I don't know what will happen in March in 2022. I don't know what's going to happen. I do know this. Jesus is going to come. And according to the Word of God, the Bible tells us this world is going to be more and more wicked. So what is our best defense? The Word of God. Are you reading the Bible? It doesn't matter how many times you've been through the Word of God if it doesn't go through you. Because the Bible is to change us. God's given us His Word. Like someone said, it's our instructions for this life. We are foolish and deceived if we think we can get up in the morning without reading the Word of God and live our day, and we can think, wow, what a great day. You're missing out. A great day is pleasing God. So the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, okay, you're missing that rest. You're battling with unbelief. What does the Bible say? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it's not your mom or dad's faith. It's your faith. We all have a copy of the Word of God. We can all be more like Christ. Get into the Word of God. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a word of prayer. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. I realize that all of us should be in the Bible a lot more than we are. And how many with uplifted hand this morning would say, Pastor, God's convicted my heart. I've been saved for a long time. I've been trying to live the Christian life in my own strength. And I realize I need God's word. Here's my hand. Please pray for me this morning. God bless you. Many, many hands all over this auditorium. Folks, my hand is up too. I need God's word. We can make it. But we're not pleasing God unless we spend time in his word. Perhaps there's someone here this morning. You say, Pastor, if I would die right now or if I... Um, was in this auditorium and Jesus Christ would come, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And that concerns me. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around. If that's your testimony this morning, you said, Pastor, it really bothers me. 
My heart's troubled this morning because I'm not sure where I'll spend eternity. Would you raise your hand this morning so I could pray for you? Is there someone like that here this morning? Just put your hand up. Put it right back down. I won't call your name out. I won't embarrass you in any way. But folks, God brought you here this morning for a purpose. Jesus died for you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I don't know your heart. See, God knows everything. God knows who's our, who are saved and who aren't this morning. Is there anyone this morning who say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Here's my hand. Please pray for me.